for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're here to discuss the third episode of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This episode is thankfully entitled an easy one, Katie Girls. Yeah, I thought that the use of flashbacks and sort of like, I don't know, that sort of dream sequence. I know it's like when you're under anesthesia was pretty effective this time. And I actually hope it healed some things. So let's dive right in here, Paul. Let's kick it off with uh, a, a look at the flashback timeline. Even though in the first episode of this podcast, this season, we predicted that the next, the very next episode would pick up with the continuation of that story, it did not. But I'd like to point out that this episode did, and it did pick up right where we said it would, right when they, you know, with with Jack driving off and that man who we don't even need to remember his name. His name's Alan. Um, him. Uh, forcing himself upon Rebecca. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. So I actually want to hit the flashback um, just right before that. That gives us a little bit more background to Rebecca's life. So she grew up in a very cliche 1950s domestic home life. And I liked how they really showed that she had watched for all those years her mom serve her dad and that, you know, this she realized this was not the life for her. It was interesting to me, though, because, again, because we know where she goes and we know she doesn't have a career until the kids are older and she doesn't like she does accidentally end up like her mom, you know, serving the kids, fixing the meals, doing that kind of stuff. That made me feel really like, oh, that kind of hurt my heart because on one hand, I felt like, go, girl, you go, you get to the woodshop. But knowing where she ends up and knowing what her family life ends up being like, you're like. Oh, girl. <laughs> well, I mean, as as a woman who had three babies right away and your life goes a totally different direction than planned, uh, you might sympathize. I'm, I'm extremely sympathetic. That's what I'm saying. Like, this was a woman. She didn't grow up her whole life wanting to be a mom and wanting to do that life. And in fact, they went through such great lengths to say, I don't want to be a domestic housemaker um, homemaker kind of woman i really want to have this other adventuresome life and knowing where her life goes and that she doesn't is like ouch you Mm. know like i really feel for her i always wanted to be a mom so like i'm cool with my with my world but um so it turns out that this alan guy was this guy who helped her out actually like back in woodshop sort of like stuck up for her when the other guys were teasing he had gone off to london actually asked her to go with she said yet comes back because he just can't get her out of his brain man rebecca's like a virus polly these men can't shake her. She has obvious things going for her. We, I think we called it last week that he was either some he was either the blind date or some something from her, from the past that would be dismissed quickly. I felt super good about a previous boyfriend, which yeah. was that is what he actually turned out to be. I thought that this was such a strange interaction that she has with him where she wasn't expecting him. They end up going over to his parents' home and that was such a weird discussion, right? I thought that I thought the entire thing was weird. She's like i really want to go to los angeles and he's like no let's go to new york she's like okay what just happened there like that was so odd you know Uh, i know she wants to get moving and like get up out of here but 
uh, that just felt so strange. Couldn't tell if the parents were all in, like they were thinking that Alan, that's his name, Alan? Yes. If, if he was doing like the right thing or if he, or if they were just kind of like humoring the situation, like, oh, that sounds like a wonderful plan, you know? I, I agree with you. I especially really want to highlight the conversation that um, Rebecca has later with mom after she's already gone to the store and she's seen Jack again. She comes back. The mom and her have some such an interesting conversation about how basically the Alan's mom had had this whole other plan as well. But once she met Alan's father, she just knew he was such a great guy. She couldn't let him go. So vis-a-vis, she basically threw her life away and didn't follow her own dreams because all these men in her life, whether it was her dad or her husband or whatever, sort of shaped her life into not doing what she wanted to do. And so I felt like she gave her then like this gigantic um, get out of jail free card there to be like, actually, I don't think I do want to pursue this. It, you're right that it seemed like she was completely backed by Alan's mom at that point. Yeah. So it was some good, like, I'm going to say that's some good, like sisterhood, like, you know, not watching another woman take this exact same path as you if you weren't exactly happy you know i thought that was pretty cool of her actually kind of weird she about- did it in a very uh what would you call it the 50s mom kind of kind of style right where she she just said it without saying it <laughs> she did and and like and never like condemning her husband for you know not having that same life that she wanted or whatever you know like she always was like he's very supportive he's a very good guy I just sort of like put myself on the shelf though and like didn't really pursue my interests in the same way. And her father too. I mean, and I, I'm kind of wondering if that's going to pop up because I know a lot of people were very interested in Rebecca's childhood and how she grew up and everything. She has such a contentious relationship with her mother. Yeah. Certainly this is not, I can't believe the montage we get of her from like five years old through teenage Like, certainly that can't be this broad stroke that took like 10 minutes of a show, right? That can't be her whole background. Surely we're going to dip back in here, right? Hmm. Get into shit with her mom, figure out more stuff. She probably has dad issues. I mean, there's got to be something more there, right? You know, as you, as you, as you say that, it makes me think about the place that Rebecca's had in this show and it has always been fifth place. You know what I mean? Ah, do tell. Like. Jack's a big deal. The the triplets, twins, and Randall are a big deal. But there's not a whole lot of POV going through Rebecca. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There's some, but not, you know, there's no Rebecca episodes. You know what I mean? Yes. Not really. Not yet, at least. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's the ones where she's like singing and all that. But but those are, those are the, like, the flashbacks. So the flashback is almost, isn't usually like the story. It's like the, B story of, of, of the right of the episode. And even when she was doing like her own, like she was gonna go off and do her her current day. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it current day, but Jack was alive still, right? But not her not long ago. This was after the the kids were older and she was gonna go make this reattempt at her career. Yeah. That stuff was really still told almost from the standpoint of the kids and Jack. Like Jack had to go drive and get her and Jack had to go stand at the bar. And it wasn't exactly told from her point of view and how right. you know it was still really told from the other characters. So, so I the reason I, I mentioned that, the reason I mentioned that is that um the answer may be that might be it. 
It's just so hard to believe because we had such strange interactions with her mom, her mom bopping in, being so discriminatory towards Randall, you know, her mom coming in and them having that weird lunch, you know, just such such weird stuff. I'm sure if we could talk to Dan Fogelman and the others, Ken Olin, like, why is it that that Rebecca's sort of sort of the fifth Pearson here. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of room for her though. And, and like how you were pointing out to me about Kate, like maybe why part of the reason why they make her as difficult to be liked right now is because they can have such a far way to go with her. I, from everything I remember from the beginning of This Is Us, they had like five seasons laid out and we're only in season three and we're about to be done with individual kids ones right so then we're really going to be do like a rebecca slash had we meet miguel slash you know like a lot of stuff and i would have to guess if they're going to stick to the fifth one that the fifth one's got to be like a wrapping up of everybody's stories really and like where they're going in the future and stuff like that you know if they stick to the five season plan um but it would make sense to make her that that fourth season i would think does it make sense to you i i mean i i understand your your logic it's just um, you know, maybe, maybe her arc hasn't emerged yet, but she's getting kind of old in the, in the, um, I don't know, that's not a great, great way to say that, but, but that's an unusual time to start like a, I don't know, a complete renaissance of your life. You well, know? we do have to figure out everything that happened to her from when the kids didn't go to college all the way through to where we know her current day. So there's a lot of time in there. Like, does she get a job? Does she, ha- you know, we we saw how she hooked back up with Miguel. Remember the Facebook thing and all that? Yeah. So we know that she was with back from when Tess was born. All that stuff. So we do know like little nuggets at this point, but there is still a window of time like where it will be interesting to focus in on her or if this is going to be more about like Randall getting married to Beth and, you know, like, yeah. are we going to go back to Randall for, you know, I don't know. So let's go back since we're doing this flashback part. Um, We need to weave in a little bit here. The fact that Jack is having a really big moment in his flashback time. This is the Jack that we tune in for, right? The guy that stands up and says enough, right? Yeah. And I have to say that, you know, this abusive dad was really looming character for me because I really felt like we were going to have to delve more into what made this a very abusive household, you know, and I didn't really know on network TV in what has turned out to be a pretty family type of show that you could watch, maybe not with little ones, but certainly with like older kids and stuff you could watch this show with that. I didn't want to see him ever hit the mom. I didn't want to see a gigantic fist fight between Jack and his dad. I I was really kind of dreading how that was going to really go down. A little bit of that with younger Jack. Yes, but it I I didn't knowing this was going to be the big thing where like mom was really going to leave. Yeah. which I really hope it is. I hope we don't revisit this. I hope she doesn't slide back and go back with him. I hope none of those things happen. If this is it, this could have been ugly. It could have been a lot more than throwing a sandwich on the floor. Dad you know? backed down. He, he didn't did. like what he saw in his son's former soldier's eyes. And I agree. Instead of, instead of fighting for his wife or anything like that, he was like, meh. As a viewer, I am satisfied with how Jack handled it. And I thought they did a decent job of showing that the mom was pretty reticent because, you know, everything that we've seen and read about, you know, victims often still 
you know, uh, try to protect the person who's hurting them and, and they aren't quick to just like drop everything and run when you, you know, give them a lifeline. So the fact that she was still nervous about leaving, um, I thought that this friend Cheryl and everything that Jack actually like went through the trouble of setting up. I mean, he didn't like go take her to a hotel, you know, like they actually figured out like how to get friends involved. And I mean, he actually had to do some footwork, you know, because I don't think mom was calling anybody. He's like, Cheryl said you could stay like he did that. And And that kind of stuff is huge. And it's a nice parallel to Randall, like being being a part of Jack. Right. That whole conversation of does does he have something of jack's to carry on and jack or sorry and randall is very much getting in the middle of the sky and chi chi's lives and so many parts right so yeah that that it's a nice parallel i completely agree what did you think about the idea that jack and his mom um, would end up at the same grocery store that Rebecca happened to go to when it's been really clear that Jack lives on one side of the tracks and Alan's parents appear and Rebecca's family appear to live on another side of the tracks. What do we think about that? This is how TV has to work, right? Because it, it's like... It's like they heard our podcast where we said, <laughs> we know how they get, we know they get together. Please don't fill it with, with bullshit. And they were like, it shall be done. I you love know? it. Yeah. You feel, feel we have that control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I liked it that they did it in the context that his mom was feeling like she couldn't show up empty handed. I think that is extremely realistic. And and I also liked that despite the fact that Rebecca was being pretty um, engaging with him in the grocery store, his concerns about his mom overrode his like flirtation with her. Like, I actually thought that that was extremely endearing that he wasn't like, pick out a coffee cake, mom. I got this chick over here, you know, like he was like, well, you know, we had this short conversation, but he continuously turns back looking to his mom. He continuously takes steps back towards his mom. I think that that kind of thing was a really um, layered moment of how conflicted he was about taking care of two women here in his life, you know? Rebecca's the girl. That's what he says. Okay, so what did you think about asking Jack what is his dream and his idea that no one's ever asked him before? How do you mean that? Well, I think in many ways, I take for granted the fact that we've had parents and we've had an upbringing in a way that people probably constantly asked us, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? You know, what's your path? Like that kind of thing where we were a part of that process. No, I mean, my God, did we have parameters? Yes. Did we have to go to college? That's non-negotiable. You know, like things like that. We couldn't have said, I want to be like a fireworks stand operator. Like, you know, there was like definitely like uh, a professional expectation. Exactly. But I thought the idea that if you're trying to illustrate Jack's home life and you're not going to show him get beat every day, if you have him say, no one in my life has ever asked me if I have a dream or what do I want to do with my life? And you realize the lack of nurturing, the lack of interest in him, like it's crystal clear, you know? Yeah. But it's subtle. Since his dreams are just to have a, a simple, mundane, predictable life i guess that is very telling about where he came from in that 
you know, you had this dad that would just flip out all the time. And I think the idea that, I mean, when he says, you know, I, I want to have a, a wife, a family, a decent job, settle my mom and and have a house unlike anything he grew up in. Again, you don't have to tell the viewers much more than that. You know, like we know it was a crappy life. But when you say that, that that's like your dream is to have a house, nothing like you grew up in. I mean, again, like a subtle layer of like, that's how bad it was, you guys. That's how bad it was. You know, there was no good times, you mm -hmm. know, and I and I feel good for him that in many ways we have already seen obviously his entire life, uh, you know, as a dad and he succeeded. And that makes me really happy for him to see he laid it out with her so early. And, um, and he managed to do that for at least 17 years of those kids' lives. Now, see, that's a much better answer than I could have come up with for that question. <laughs> well, that's why we partner on this, Mr. Paul. Speaking of partnering, what did you think about Rebecca actually managing to track him down? And then that very quiet interaction in the house. That was that was a very sweet scene of, of doing the the dishes together mm -hmm. and you know falling into a a familiar groove of I'll wash you dry that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, that they did it wordlessly and without knowing each other. Um, it made all that stuff about cat, dog, black, white, whatever that other stuff was, not really matter. You know, I love that. And I, I completely agree with you. And I think that, you know, him taking the initiative to see a dirty table and start cleaning it up. You know, there are millions of women across the world who are like, oh, that's, you know, that's like that's porn for us <laughs> to see a man roll up his sleeves and take his watch off to do the dishes. That's like, oh, take it all off. Ooh, <laughs> he's taking his watch off to clean the dishes. Uh, I also I mean, for us personally, I mean, you're totally the dishes guy and I'm totally the dry girl. So I, I loved that. It seems very familiar to us and and that she was willing to lend a hand like she wasn't so stubborn in her. I'm not going to be a domestic woman that she could let go of that and and still lend a hand, you know, because yeah. she could have just stood back and continued to talk to him. She didn't have to roll up her own sleeves either. So I felt like they really kind of, you know, they showed a soft side of themselves. What do you think about this concept? Are we going to see like a road trip to Los Angeles? And like, are there only two cities in America? Is it like Pittsburgh and Los Angeles? That's like the only places people live. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's New York, but only, you know, Alan lives there. So Right. Well, he lives in London. He's willing to He's live willing in New York. He's willing to go to New York. Right. But still, isn't it funny? Like of all the places, Los Angeles. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Because obviously we know we're Kevin and Gate and everybody. Uh, and I bet we keep up with this timeline. It may not be consecutive episodes, but I bet I bet we do keep up with this courtship. So you think we're going to have like a pack and go? Are we going to actually get to see them go on this road trip? Because what a fun way to explore that cat dog, blah, 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 with each other, you know, eating red vines and drinking Cokes, driving across country, you know, like what an adventure for all of us to get to have with them. I hope they do it. Me too. I really hope they do it. So let's talk about somebody already out in LA, Paulo, and that would be Kevin. What did you think of everyone's re reaction to Kevin's movie? I'm kind of ecstatic that they're letting Kevin have success, like actual earned success on his own two feet, you know, that the movie didn't suck and that everyone thought he, he did great. 
And I'm, I'm really glad they went that way with Kevin. I'm super glad too. And, and it made me feel like, you know, Kevin finally has that validation that he was looking for in a way that I think he can stop sort of like looking inward. And this like gives him the opportunity to actually think about where his dad came from. Um, if he was still sort of really self-involved with like, do serious people take me seriously, blah, blah. Like he was yeah. just thinking about himself. But once he got that validation, it was like his eyes could like open to like, okay, now I feel okay about myself. Let's go further. Let's figure out more. I It made me feel that much worse, however, that Zoe wasn't there to see that everybody really did appreciate his work and that it was a good movie. Because when he's talking about, do you want to come with me to that interview? And she calls movie life vapid. And then the only reason why she's willing to go is after she finds out that Terry Gross, someone she personally has interest in interacting with, is the interviewer. That is the only reason why she wants to go. Like last week, you did not have your reservations about Zoe. Are you having any now? I didn't like that part. And I didn't. And and the rest of it about uh, we're not there yet, but the rest of it where she kind of encourages Kevin to to seek out the guys in the photograph and all that. That really, maybe it's just a cynical look, but it really feels a lot more like she's in it for a story or something like that, rather than some investment in Kevin. So that that future plane ride to Vietnam now has possible different spins rather than just, you know, that the, the, they were a loving couple. Yeah, right. that they were a loving couple. I completely agree with you. I, I felt like every question that Terry Gross asked about Vietnam, um, you know, really made me feel like, wow, this, these these are difficult questions that she's asking. And, you know, th- this is a complicated issue. And I think it helped introduce it to the audience without being like Kevin just expositionally being like, I think I want to know more about my dad. Like this was a cool way to introduce all these questions to all of us without it being a family member, you know, having Terry Gross ask, do you know where he was from? Do you know what, did he see combat? Now we're all asking, well, did he see combat? Well, where was he? Well, did he, you know, like, well, we want to know. I thought that was a very clever way to handle that. How did you feel about that mini flashback about the model shop where, where Kevin is feeling like he, you know, he wants to play, he wants to play with the grenade and stuff. And dad's dad says, no, Jack's like, eh, but then later comes back and is like, you know, I was in a war. It's not funny to me. But then, because he's super Jack, says, but if you want to ask me any questions about it, feel free. Again, I mean, if you listened to the podcast last season, you'll know that I was pretty pretty rough on Kevin. But this season, I'm glad that they that they let last season be the complete low swing of his of his character arc. And now he gets to kind of rise back up because that flashback is indicative of of sort of a self-reflection that Kevin had. Well, and that he did ask some questions, but that he was a very little boy. And like, it seemed like he had a little bit of like recognition that, well, I did ask some things. I, I like dad and I did have a conversation. It wasn't on an adult level, but I was a little boy, you yeah. know? So I did get some nuggets of info and he did seem like more, um, satisfied with himself like well i i i didn't not ever ask you know we did have a conversation and and i think i did okay for being a little guy so you're right i feel like he in the end felt actually okay about a memory which has kind of been pretty rare we pretty much are only been 
shown moments when they feel embarrassed or ashamed or remorse well, about he, a flashback. I bet he felt a little regret in that, in that, you know, the way that his and his dad's relationship kind of devolved during the teenage years outside of support for football, that is. Um, he didn't ever think again to ask him. That's probably what, in Kevin's mind, if I'm thinking like I'm Kevin, I'm thinking, why didn't I ever bring it up again? I had I had carte blanche on that if I wanted to, but I didn't do it. I, I think that you're right. I also think, though, um, that... In, if you were so young when your dad dies, like at 17, and you know, like, really, I mean, if you don't really have any memories back before you're like five, and you're like, in the 12 years I had my dad, you know, it was probably very isolated, you know, memories where you're like, did I talk about this? Did we talk about yeah. that? Did we talk about dating? Did we go get the suit? Did we, you know, those kind of things that I, I actually felt like he seemed a little bit more at ease about it he still wanted to find out more information but i think he took it a little less like how dare i not ask those questions and a little more like well if i could still figure those questions out now and zoe of course helps him come to that conclusion like you know we could find some other guys in the pictures they could be alive and they actually went so far as to actually show that that email makes it to a fellow soldier and is like or opened and like accepted like they could have shown that and he could have like thrown it in the trash. Yeah. You know, we would have been like, oh no, you know, but I mean, it seems like in the same way that we were cheering that Alan kind of seems to have come and went, it seems like this idea of like getting a, a, a foothold into getting down Jack's path here seems like we left this episode knowing they had a lifeline. They were going to be able to move forward with the story. Move on here. I'm still feeling very uneasy about old Zoe, but um, let's move on to Randall. They they did pick up Randall's story right back from when we're sitting there in the movie theater, and he confronts Kate right after the movie. That conversation seemed so complicated. It seemed like neither of them were listening to the other one's point of view. They both pretty much had valid points, I thought, and yet they they actually grew into a bigger fight. Did you look at that and appreciate Randall's directness or or more like hope that he would have developed a little more sense of time and place by now? Um, okay, so I would say that I think that I would say that although I like Randall's directness, it needed to go through a filter in his own brain that said, this is my life experience, especially because Deja just checked him on this yeah. like an episode ago right. of saying, stop trying to act like you know someone else's life. Like stop trying to act like you know how everybody should live their life and what happened to them. And so I felt like this was a, another time where Kate was saying, you know, first of all, like, who are you to say you have two biological children? Like, why are you trying to act like, you know, you were adopted and then you immediately went out and adopted three kids? Like, that's not what happened. You know, you completed your family and then decided to add to your family. Um, and so I felt like she made a really good point. Um, I was disappointed that they couldn't have reached some sort of understanding in that moment it, because I feel like they are closer 
uh, in a lot of ways. But Kate is in a really rough spot. Like she's legit scared right now. And, the, you know, the it's hormone just, shot she had an hour ago. That's very true. I mean, amen to that. I We definitely know about all that kind of stuff. So I do understand. Did you think Beth was in the was in the right to uh, to basically dial her up later and be like, you just need to end this, like cut it out? Definitely. Yep. I haven't, I haven't disagreed with anything Beth's done yet. <laughs> yeah, look at us, like totally loving on Beth. Um, I loved that little callback to reminding us that Toby, Miguel, and Beth have this like little outlaw, um, you know, connection, and that they actually keep up with a text chain that's mostly gifts, but they do talk about how messed up the family is. That it, I love that. Why is it that Beth, as a character? is consistently breathing this fresh air into every scene where it's like, that makes me laugh. That makes me feel like a more rounded out family. You know, her whole Oprah thing last time. I I love how they write her character. She's so, she like brings all of the, a lot of the heart to a lot of those scenes. You know, she plays off of Randall so well. It's not that Randall's not heart, but it's like he... I don't know. He gets in his head right. sometimes There's in a too way. Much brain up- yeah, to his you know, heart. where his anxiety will take over in a way that's just like, you know, she has to come back and 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 be sort of the humor and and the and just sort of like an outside voice saying like, hey, remember, you know, she's going through a hard time right now. You need to be open to all this. What did you think about the um, what actually happens to Beth in the rest of this episode with? We have this very rare Beth alone at work scene. Yeah, I've I've been in the office when your boss comes in and sighs and says, can you come talk to me in my office? And gotten that same kind of talk. Totally. So, I mean, I'm sure every person seeing it saw what was coming, but uh, except for Beth. But I've actually been there myself and I was really felt bad for for her and for Randall cuz the little pep talk she had later with William. with William was right I mean um he's a Randall's a very capable earner you know and he's just not right now you know they, and they've got this very expensive landlording project Right. And their own lifestyle seems very expensive. I mean, they have a lovely home and everything. I mean, I'd love to think that everything's paid off. I hope it is for their sake so that they can move forward here. Did you feel like since you have been in best shoes, did you feel like they they gave that situation uh, justice? Like they, they played it out properly? I mean, that's what those scenes look like. You know, someone just saying we we have to make a cut and we're cutting you. And it sucks just as much as <laughs> much as you think it would based on that scene. I thought it was super interesting the way that they did end up needing to go back and use a flashback for Beth because Randall wasn't physically there. And it, it really made me aware of how many times from Beth's perspective that she's had to go it alone, you know, whether it be when she was in labor with Tess and Randall was like, couldn't handle it. And she was essentially like going to have to give birth to this baby without any help until he could get it together and the way that William like pointed out like how she plays with her wedding ring when she is sort of contemplating like why am I even in this marriage I feel very alone now that's a little like tell on her that I feel like they used it later when she talks to Randall and actually has to stop him from all of his councilman talk and everything um and they show her playing with her ring and i loved that william gave that 
motion with her ring, uh, like an actual feeling behind it. And it, I feel like it helps us inform the rest of the series. Like anytime we see her doing that, it's like she's feeling totally abandoned by Randall right now, you know, and like she once again has to be his cheerleader. Um, I do want to talk about that councilman thing for a second, because um, I know that this comes from a phone call that Randall gets about Sky having essentially been mugged is what I am gathering. Yeah. Um, and Chi Chi, you know, is like, you got to do something kind of thing. And he determines that he wants to run against the councilman. Now, can we have a reality check here, Paul? The councilman is a councilman where? Philadelphia. And where does Randall live? New Jersey. What in the hell? I mean, I know there's been a lot of debate about this idea of like, how come he can make this trip back and forth in like 15 minutes? That's unrealistic. Like how he went on his birthday with Deja and back. And it was still like afternoon. And like they had, you know, it was like, what? That was so weird. But then additionally, like, what is even this yammer about? becoming a councilman what are we talking about well maybe there's a way you know like how hillary clinton ran as a senator in new york based on some very short amount of residency or something maybe the fact that he owns that building will get him something uh I, enough of a foothold i don't know enough about councilman rules okay but i feel like if you live in another state I mean, in the case of Clinton, she had to actually secure residency and she has a residence there that she actively lives in. So I feel like it's kind of like, ah, I don't know about this. Now, I'm wondering, is this laying the groundwork at all with now untethering Beth from work and he doesn't have a job and they were having all he was having these very specific feelings of. I need to hook back in with Philadelphia. I yeah. need to have some money. Are we laying groundwork for them to go to Philadelphia as a family? I, I think we might. There's like a few different things at, at hand here. There's that. And there's also Randall's going to have to decide how to what to do here. I mean, yes, he's going to talk about it with Beth, but ultimately... Randall kind of does what what Randall wants to do. And Which is a pretty negative thing, right? In the show, it works out sometimes, but it can be so rough in that transition time when everyone's like helping Randall make it work. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah, he's got to, he's not the kind of guy that's going to think about, have, de have decided that he needs to be a councilman in Philadelphia one day and be like, oh, you got fired? Well, I guess we just can't do that. He, he's not the kind of guy that's going to be that way. You know, he's going to be like, well, how can we do, you know, earning money for our family and me be a councilman too? You know, like, that's, I think what he, his mind's going to be like. Okay. I go for that. I mean, do you think that does Until this? Beth straightens him out. <laughs> well, but so the question mark is, is can they maintain this lifestyle now that nobody's working? Can they continue this? Or is this going to lead down some sort of path where frankly, they do need to sell the big house and they do need to make some choices. We have no clue. They've always come off extremely financially comfortable. Um, and like the type of people who would absolutely have an amazing savings account and all kinds of, you know, uh, safety nets in place. But what does this mean? We always wondered how they could go from dual income to one income 
given that it seemed like he was the one that was like the workaholic. So it's like, how how is this all going to work? Are we moving to Philadelphia? I do not know. Something to definitely think about for the future couple episodes. Mm -hmm. So now we're down to the last Pearson child. We've got Kate. I really enjoyed actually the Toby Randall interactions in this. I thought that they were really great. <laughs> in the waiting room, you mean? Like, yes. Like having arrived five minutes too early so that he hears the, you know, you need to give, give, give us your, your sperm sample discussion. Okay. So here's a funny thing. There was a deleted scene that you can catch if you watch the after show of This Is Us that is actually Toby talking to Randall and being like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not in the mood for this. I can't do this. And like, he needs to give a sample right now. Like it happens when, like, as soon as she comes out of surgery. So like, he needs to give a sample right now. Right. And so Randall actually talks him through it. Like, he's like, what's the sexiest, like most comfortable thing you can think of? And he's like, sitting on my couch watching Chopped. And he's like, okay, <laughs> all right, let's go there, Toby. Okay. They've brought out the mystery basket. It's rainbow trout and whipped cream. What? What are the chefs going to do? How are they? going to put these ingredients together and it actually works and toby's like okay okay like i'm there like he like runs in the other room randall's like uh and he goes uh of course we never speak of this and randall's like speak of what and it was like it was so funny i really wish it stayed in because i thought that it was so funny i mean the chop scene when he's like the mystery basket comes out rainbow trout and whipped cream what will the chefs do like it was really funny really funny um and you know the the hospital scenes are really heavy you know for the most part in this one did you think that the toby randall conversation where randall was really expressing more about his anxiety and toby for the this is the first time the fact that toby has had about with depression has ever been revealed must be because randall has no idea yeah wow right? i didn't realize that when when that moment was happening um because you know we're omniscient basically so yeah, yeah. We, we've known <laughs> and a little bit it, it's a good insight into like that kate would have never told her brothers like this is something you know just as you talk about your boyfriend girlfriends whatever and oh are things get more serious yes you know he actually shared with me though that like you know he actually battles with depression like you might talk about that especially a, a girl kate might talk about it um so i was a little surprised um and it seemed like he might have said more he underscored highlighted bold faced when i'm off my meds i'm a lunatic and that was scary we didn't get angry toby this week though right we got the like physically fidgety withdrawal symptoms and now this is where throwing your shit down the toilet i mean not shit exactly your pills down <laughs> right, the toilet right. is probably not a good choice because if, if ivf is today right then, you know, Tobes, you could you could get back on your, your pills. Pretty quickly, yeah. And hopefully build it back up really quick. So I, I don't know, Toby definitely um, you know, he was showing some openness there for as much as the fact that he threw his pills down the toilet was a complete fat secret, even from Kate. I feel like it's like he seemed really close to exposing more. And I don't know if this is just a reminder because it's season three. And so they need to remind all of us audience members, hey, remember he had a bad situation with depression. He was even suicidal. I I'm not sure if that's what we're doing, like a little mini reminder to all of us, or if he was legit going to come more clean with Randall. It's potential, yeah, because I mean, Randall was sharing stuff that it was so well acted. You got the sense that he didn't want to share, but he didn't want to 
to shut Toby down right then even more. I think for sure. And he didn't want Toby to feel alone. Like, you know, I have challenges too. You know, I mean, that's such a natural thing to do, especially if you're sitting in like a waiting room and someone says, you know, I, I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling whatever. The first thing you want to do is be like, I feel scared too. You know, you like want to share and have that moment with them. Yeah. All right. So Kate actually is having the big egg retrieval surgery today. I don't know enough about IVF to understand the timeline. It seemed really quick, but I don't know. I have no idea if this is how quick, like you just do the hormone shots. It, it didn't seem like that long that she was doing hormone shots and then right. she was ready. So I, I was pretty like, wow, okay. What did you think about this essentially like dream drug induced scenario that she has? Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? What did you think? That scene created more of a feeling, you know, within me rather than rather than serving like a whole narrative point. I think it was more like a meant to create a kind of a, a tone. You know what I mean? Okay. And what was that tone? Well, it was like a it was like a mix, right? Of because you got the the hopefulness of the of the young Kate, the promise of someone that hasn't had the world shit on her yet, and then you have sassy mouth teen Kate telling her, you know, that we're all going to die. It's horrible. Yeah. Chicken littling it. And Kate actually having to be the person saying it's not that bad. I mean, it does, it it isn't great, but, but it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. It was refreshing to have her play the role of optimist. You know, when, when she was faced with her own pessimistic 17 year old self, it was nice to have her be like, see here, you know, I was really quite surprised when Jack walked in. I didn't quite know why he played a role because unless they cut a scene or two, the idea of her actually kind of being a mediator between her hopeful self and her pessimistic self actually seemed like a complete concept to me. Yeah. So it's a little like angel on your shoulder, devil on your shoulder kind of feeling, right? So then when you bring in Jack, who I super enjoyed seeing, don't get me wrong, I wasn't exactly sure what he was doing there. I understood that there was this feeling of like, you can stay here with us, totally got that whole like metaphor of like, she could have died on the table, you know, and like, she's not going to wake up kind of thing. So I got that, but I didn't really, I never said this, but I didn't really need Jack in those scenes. I I actually think it should have played out with her three selves. Because he was functioning a lot like a memory, right? Like, like, uh, I don't know. He was just like doing stuff, like bringing ice cream to the table or breaking up them arguing. There wasn't like, I don't know. I thought that his function. There was no Jack wisdom. No. And she was like, dad, but she never engaged with him. He didn't give her any advice. Right. He didn't bolster her. This was all a conversation between herself and at different ages. So I don't know if that in and of itself says a lot about Kate that like Jack really wasn't the thing that that brought her back out of this. In fact, she had to walk away from Jack in order to come back to the now and be in a better place. So it 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 was a twisty concept that they were sharing with us there. And but I, I think was, the hopefulness feeling won out. That that's the definitely. tone that that I think it was trying to create was 
that this is the Kate that has been the 17 year old surly one only a downer most of the time like we mentioned with Randall and his 20th century fox fanfare last week maybe this is Kate's kind of turnaround moment oh i think if you're talking about not turnaround but story beginning that's what we said that that yeah 20th century so not definitely not turnaround but like her start her actual start of her adult life because that also lends me to believe just because you brought that up that if we're talking about a, a new story starting for randall yeah. and the previous episode or that what episode is called philadelphia story mm-hmm. ah, are we going to philadelphia yes i think we are <laughs> so um okay you guys so i i really enjoyed it i the one thing that i thought was kind of missing in that scene with that whole like dream sequence thing was i thought she was gonna hug jack or do something to sort of say goodbye so i thought it was kind of odd that they seemed to have interactions like they were really up on each other and then they didn't i also thought i had no idea toby's last name was damon this whole time. So when they zoomed in on that empty bassinet and it said Pearson Damon and it was empty, I was like, his last name is Damon. That's like the main thing that I like picked up on that. Um, I think that a lot of people, especially when you're wanting to have a child and you have a miscarriage or anything like that, the idea of like having a dream about an empty baby carriage, an empty crib, an empty whatever, I, that's it's a very common sure. cliche kind of idea. Yeah. So so none of that like stuck out for me as like, ooh, you know, that's the biggest thing. But I really liked the idea of going back to her teenage self and sort of setting her straight and reassuring her, you know, young elementary school kid that things are going to be okay and we can make things okay. And it turns out that they actually have a very successful surgery. Eight eggs. Eight. That seems really good. I mean, the doctor said it was really good. I, I again, I don't know enough about IVF to say if that's like a fantastic number, but that seemed fantastic to me. What does it mean? What does it mean? Toby was teasing and calling her Octo Mom. I know. That's so funny. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, but I definitely feel like uh, if they don't get one viable baby out of this, I feel like, dang, I mean, they they really had some good chances here, you know? Yeah. No kidding. Eight. I think that's super good. So, all right. So moving forward into the next episode, where do you think we're going with this? Are we springing ahead with this embryo business? Like, are we going to actually get to like implanting an embryo? Or are we going to like sort of force this forward more? Because it seems like they kind of, it seemed like it was really fast. Like they went from deciding to do IVF to like doing the egg retrieval, like pretty darn quick here. So do we, are we going to be like jumping leaps and bounds here? Uh, it's good that you point that out about the IVF timeline because um, there might be people looking at that and thinking that that's realistic. And we didn't do IVF, but we did everything leading up to IVF and it ain't realistic. It's on a monthly, as you all know, <laughs> a monthly schedule. And if you miss it that month, got to wait till next month, right? Yeah. And I just, I, I found it, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it, that it seemed to go pretty quickly. I mean, I understand that the, you know, if you're looking at like a 21 day cycle, if you're doing all this stuff, it was like only 10 days, um, you know, of actual shots or eight to 12 days, whatever it was. And I mean, all this stuff makes sense to me. It just seemed like we were right at egg retrieval day. Um, for the good of that, I mean, shoot, we could have spent weeks on her taking hormone shots because we don't have to move more than a day every yeah. every week. So we don't know how how far we're going to go I, here. I don't think we're going to jump ahead just because the Randall Beth storyline 
needs some fleshing out. So, and we all move at the same pace. So, mm, good call on that. Yeah. I like that. Well, and even it seems like Kevin seems very ready to act on this Vietnam thing. And we know we actually physically see them like on the plane. So, therefore, I mean, it, it could take a very short period of time to book a flight. You know, that mm-hmm. seems like a very natural thing to do, actually, right away, is that at least let's go back to the area and see what pieces we can put together. So I'm really looking forward to next week. I thought this was a great episode. I feel like we got a ton. We got even a little Papa Jack, even to stick his face in, even though it seemed kind of odd to have him be like, hello. <laughs> and that's basically like what he did. Um, but I, I always enjoy seeing him. And I'm hopeful that we get a little bit more background on Rebecca, you know, her very rich upbringing and i i can see where we're heading here is there's got to be a big blow up here of you know uh rebecca's mom and dad being like you're going to la with a boy you just met like last week like uh, what are you talking about so i can see where where their future in-law jack status immediately gets decimated here in these quick planning that they're all doing which hey do you know what i want to point out about that no Hey, pot, you're black kind of situation is Rebecca telling Kate, have you thought this through? Have you made these plans clearly enough? Have you done all this stuff? When every time they show us a younger version of her, she's like, let's drive to L.A. Let's go to New York City. Like, hello. Right. (laughs) I mean, like, what are you talking about? You are constantly making a snap judgment or decision for the rest of your life. You know, right. Like, wow. Wow, Rebecca. Good point. Well, I'm super looking forward to next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.